Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. Welcome to all our global S&OP community all over the world who are watching right uh, now our, uh, on LinkedIn. Can you believe this is the episode number nine for our weekly show, Hamamsi, for our global S&OP uh, Yeah, I, I cannot believe it. Uh, it seems like uh, yesterday we started uh, this global S&OP community. And of course, uh, thank you so much for all the people who are supporting us, support our page on LinkedIn and uh, coming, uh, watching us. Of course, uh, as a reminder, the global SMTP community is all about knowledge you cannot find in books. And uh, of course, we're building a, a global community really from all over the world. People coming from marketing, from sales, from trade marketing, from finance, of course, and from our beloved supply chain. Uh, so uh, we're having really a great engagement from uh, from from a lot of uh, people. Thank thank you thank you all to all our audience, even who are joining us uh, now. Khaled, how are how's everything in Saudi? And, everything uh, is good. As I said, that it, it's the second vaccination I took it today, so fully yeah. vaccinated, and we are ready for the full challenge that's coming. So coming back to our uh, mission, as Hamamsi said, that our mission for global S and OP community is building a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales, finance, where everyone's voice could be heard. And we use our weekly show to discuss a trending t- and hot topics in the industry with thought leaders in the industry itself. Yes. Our show just is not moving, you know, in, in two ways of communication, but three ways of communication. We are not using it as two ways of communication between us and our guests by asking a direct questions only, uh, but we use it as a third element of communication, which your voice. We use our show uh, so you 
you especially you can direct message questions with our thought leaders in our community and our special guests and our special topics because we believe on on sharing may i ask you uh, guys if you can let us know where are you from and where are you tuning in from so uh, yes yes we have yes. our friend here Osama, how are you doing great to see you thank you Osama. we are our friend hamza hello hamza thank, you. Hamza. thank you for joining us our big fan mr oh, Mantas, yes, yes. thank you so for much joining. for being here our friend uh, abdallah abdallah uh, Zid, thank yes. you for joining us great to see you thank you so much brother and uh, we have isabella Game on champs as usual, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Isabella, for joining us, of course, from yes. USA. Yes, our friend uh, uh, Ahmed Suleiman. Hello, my wonderful Ahmed. mates. Ahmed, thank you so much for being here today, Ahmed. Uh, we have our friend Henrik uh, Silva. Thank you yes. from Portugal. Thank you Thank for joining you so us. Much for being here today. We have also Ahmed Musa. Thank you also for being here, uh, Ahmed. Great to see you. Thank you, Ahmed. We have too many people today, and because I believe that, yeah. uh, that we have special guests. Yeah, we have, we have special, special experts. Topics. Two experts. It's the first time yeah. that we have a panel. So, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it's flowing yes. on. And we yeah. have uh, also Henrique again, and uh, Hamza. Um, Hamza from Riyadh. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yvette. Hello from Thanks Mexico, from Mexico, Mexico. Cancun. Hola, hola. <laughs> Thank you for being here today. And we have also Peter. We wow. have too many people. I believe that it yes. will be a great episode today. So jumping back into our uh, uh, topic and our, our special guests today. Uh, so uh, we believe that your success is always our success and we need you to be always involved with us today, especially. We have today a topic that is considered as one of the treasures under the supply chain cost, which is managing the logistics cost. It's not easy topic to be covered, honestly. And uh, I believe that it needs a massive ways and the massive courses if we want to cover it. But today we will have a great topic and great special guests that will cover it as, as much as we can. That's why, that's why our special guests and we have today a panel interview where we reveal all the hidden elements and treasures under the logistics costs. Our guests are uh, two who are, I consider them as a thought leaders in the logistics field. They advise and consult organization how to optimize the logistics and distribution cost uh, all along in the organization. Uh, I want you to do two things, please, for us today. Book, uh, if you can bring uh, your journal and bin, as you will have a massive load of values that you will not find it in books. I grant you this. The second one, please ask as many questions as you can to our guests because they have a treasure of values. Before introducing our special guests, I would like to highlight something. Our guests are based in Australia. And the time now in our region, almost it's nine o'clock at my uh, end. Nine and ten. Ten, so it's affordable. And uh, I want you, do you know that what's the time right now in Australia uh, side right now? It's 4 a.m. Can you imagine that? It's 4 a.m. Uh, I'm serious. And yeah. our special guests, they were insisted to be in the time because they want to drive values for you guys. So please, I want you to welcome with us our special guests. And before we go to our special guests, let's take this.
أرسلا Good morning. Good night. Good evening or what? I don't know what to say. Good morning. Early morning from Melbourne. Yeah, I see that we want to express all the gratitude for being here today. I know it's very tough to be here, but we would like to thank you that you insisted to be in that time just to drive for values for our audience. So welcome to our global S&P community. Pleasure to have you today. Not a problem. Next time we'll make you get up so early. No <laughs> yes, we'll shift it uh, next time. We we promise that we, we have to uh, to do it for you and get up uh, early. Thank you, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Ursula, for being with us uh, on that uh, timing. Thank It's you. It's so a pleasure, and we look we look forward to lots of great questions from the audience. And there's a yes. few names I recognize, so it's great. To <laughs> right. see yeah, we have. Uh, I believe today it's a massive load of audience today, if you can see. And I believe that we'll have too many questions, so let's be ready on that. So before we jump into our topic today, if you can just share a little bit about yourself, for Sal and Drop. And about your experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies first. Away you go, Ashla. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, as you know, my name is Ursula Kelly. I've been working in supply chain for 14 years now. Um, I started working in the US, actually, where my parents live wow. in Connecticut. Um, then I moved to the UK. I spent quite a few years there, and 10 years ago, I started working in Australia, um, primarily in um, heavy haulage. Um, I my main area of expertise um, used to be mining as I spent many, many years working in Western Australia and mining drives Western Australia, basically. Um, and about a year ago, I started working. I knocked on Rob's door because um, I heard many great things about Rob and Logistics Bureau who hasn't. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. Here I am today. <laughs> great. great to have you. Thank you so much for being here today. Mr. Rob. Your turn. Oh, Mr. Rob, um, <laughs> I, I have been in uh, supply chain and logistics more years than I care to remember. I think it's about coming up to about 40. Um, wow. And uh, I'm based in Sydney, Australia, so a little bit north of where Oshler is. Uh, and I run a management consulting company called Logistics Bureau. And I've been doing that for the last 24 years. So uh, we have the pleasure of working with many different types of companies, different <clears> size of companies all around the world, many in your part of the world as well. So, uh, and thank you, Ursula, for getting up so early to join me and to take all the hard questions. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> yeah. So great to have you today. And as I always say that we have a massive loads of values today. And I believe that we'll, be have, uh, we'll have a great engagement from our audience. Many questions. So let's start our special topic today. And the first question that I would ask you, uh, Ursula, and th then we can go from that uh, view into Rob. So what can business do to avoid logistics cost? Uh, how to avoid it, how, how to make it, how to shrink it, how to optimize the logistics cost from your area of experience and from your fields, from your industry based on your experience? I think the first um, thing every business should do is benchmark their operation and benchmark the rates because you don't actually know where your costs are blowing up. Um, you don't know what you don't know. So I think the very first, um, the important questions are, you know, are we optimizing our staff? Um, are we optimizing our equipment? What are our competitors doing? 
Should we be doing things differently? Um, is our cost to serve too high? Is it too low? Um, just looking at your operation alone, you won't be able to tell whether it's, it's going the right way, whether it's too expensive. So the first thing to do is benchmark. And I'm not just talking about benchmarking of your providers, but benchmarking your operation as a whole. Great, great one. Yeah. I believe I like what you said, benchmarking, because most people, they just move away randomly and they don't have anything to have a reference on. So they move. 100%. So, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like you know, okay, we, we've got Olympics going on. So I guess that's a good, good comparison. <laughs> Am I a good swimmer? I don't know yes. if I'm just swimming by myself in the pool. It's only when I look at others, how are they swimming? Am I fast? Am I slow? Yeah. That's when you know whether do I need to improve or am I already the best? Again, yeah. benchmark. Yeah, because sometimes some companies benchmark based on what they did in the past or the last year. I totally don't agree with that. You should benchmark, as you said, on the industry leader or in the industry people are, that are working in the same industry. So yeah, I, I love, of course, I love what you yeah, what you said and shared. The rule of relativity, I would say. So, so Mr. Rob, thank you so much, uh, Ursula, about that. What's your view on that, based on your forty years of experience in supply chain? <laughs> well, I would have to agree one hundred percent with Ursula. So uh, I, can't, I can't give the same answer. I'll give you a, a similar answer, uh, and that is, um, I think what a lot of companies don't do very well is their reporting systems and they understand at a very high level this is how much our logistics costs and this is our service performance mm. but they don't <clears throat> they don't dig deep enough they don't get detailed enough with mm. their reporting uh, and they don't use the right kpis to measure what's going on and, and i think you you know what is that great quote what you can't measure doesn't get managed something like that yeah. so you've really yes. got to measure your performance very carefully and then i think to ursula's point once you know what your performance is, then you look out into the bigger logistics supply chain world and say, well, what are the good people doing? And that's really mm -hmm. where the benchmarking helps lift your performance. And I love the analogy with the pool. You know, if I'm swimming laps in the pool and I'm, you know, I, I don't know anything about swimming, but, you know, it takes me a minute to swim to the end of the pool and I think, hey, I'm really good. But everyone else is doing it in 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I believe it's a rule of relativity because if you don't come back and if you don't have any reference, you will not understand that if you are good or a higher. Let's say, let's take an example on that. If you're talking about the pricing in the market, the rates in the market, if you don't know what's in your industry, yeah. uh, if you don't know who are your vendors that you can mm. speak with, you can have a relation with them. If you don't have all of this, you will be deceived. You don't understand if you don't have a benchmark at that point, which is something no, that, very and interesting. And, and you guys are great experts in SNOP. So if I said to you, <laughs> what's uh, what's a good order fill rate? What's, uh, what's a good inventory accuracy rate? What's a good stock availability rate? You know, if, if I don't know what's good in the market, then I don't know yeah. what my performance yes. should be. Yeah, because it's very, very yeah. easy to get stuck in your ways, and especially with um, contracts, because you go through all this effort um, to, you know, to put the tender out, get new suppliers, get new warehouse provider, transport provider, whatnot. Then you get yourself locked in for, let's say, three, three years, five years, um, and nothing happens. 
within that yeah. three or five years. And just because, you know, okay, well, we have the agreement in place. We believe we chose the best provider, but what is happening in that time? That's why I agree with Rob 100%. You need to get your KPIs right, your reporting, because yeah. you need to know exactly what is happening in that relationship. Um, and I'm not talking just about the rates, but yes, performance, because maybe something, maybe you are, maybe rates are great, but you are losing money somewhere else because you are not yeah. monitoring the relationship. Yeah, exactly. And I believe there are many uh, hidden costs I believe if you're talking about a selection of vendors or 3PL, if you're just blinded away by the cost itself, I believe many, many companies and many organizations get disturbed and maybe they, they get affected in their top lines because they didn't they see the intangible costs that they can provide because of the service level of their providers. And one of the things that I uh, I had it many, many in, in, in experience in, in that market, that when you come and look into just the pricing, pricing, lowest price, lowest cost, lowest everything, uh, you will come into a close corner. Because if you don't look into, you look from the other side and from, if I'm a customer for the vendor, if I'm a B customer, if I'm a C customer, if I'm a big fish or a small fish, because you, you you understand that when it comes to the reality and we, we understand this peaking at the, at, the, at the end of the month when it comes to the reality was a companies that they're working with a baseline 30 percent and 70 percent of promotions how they manage their uh, uh, their demand at the end of the month just to push sales to their retailers as much as they can so you come into that point so if you are uh, a C or a small fish with your 3pl so he will compromise all of that for the a customers for sure let's let's take it in that, in that way because yeah so I, I think it's a big factor in that point it's not just looking into the pricing you have they have many elements not only just the cost or price itself yeah and the other thing about pricing as well is um make sure that your rate card that you know the rate card because what might look great on paper um you know it, it might be a cheap you know, price per pallet or per box, whatever. Mm. But what are the overcharges? Um, what are the demarrage fees? What are the fees for yeah. weekend delivery, for re-deliveries? So just knowing that rate card really well, making sure that you everything is covered before you sign the contract yeah. and you are aware of, you know, all extra charges, that is extremely important as well. Lovely, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, there are many headers. Yeah, yeah. And you must, making sure uh, that the rate card is applied correctly, uh, because that's yet another thing we see. A client gets an invoice every month, every week, whatever, uh, and no one actually checks it against the correct rate card. And nine out of ten, ten times, um, you know, there there are massive overcharges that no one actually checks, yeah. um, and that's where people lose money. Yeah, yeah. Great. Thank that's you, Ursula. Thank you so much. I think we have the first question here from our friend Ashraf. He is asking, Mr. Rob, what's your expectations to ocean freight rates within the near future? I think after. Let me get my, my crystal ball. <laughs> yes, <here>. please. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, Ashraf, I think that's a question that everybody in the world wants to know. Um, so let me just give you my own thoughts. Um, look, the whole sea freight, ocean freight industry is really a in a, a little bit of flux at the moment. And, and I think what we've seen is, you know, that massive 
disruption during COVID and, and, and then, you know, the problems with the Suez Canal and everybody knows that we've got yeah. boxes, you know, in the wrong locations all around the world. But layered over that, we've got this issue of change within our markets. And one of the most significant ones that everybody would be aware of is so much more online ordering and home delivery and so on. All of that has kind of shifted the balance in the way our supply chains operate. And some countries are sourcing from different locations. So it's, Mm. you know, people will say, why hasn't it settled down yet? I don't think it's going to settle down for a couple of years um, because Mm. that equilibrium across the whole supply chain globally has to settle down. You know, we've still got thousands upon thousands of empty containers in the wrong places. You know, all all of the uh, shipping schedules are are, are still not right yet. It's very interesting to see what's happened though, isn't it? If you look over in, uh, in North America, some very large retailers are actually renting their own container ships. So I, I wonder if there's going to be a bit of disruption in the market and, and you know, large retailers particularly might start managing their own ships. Who knows? But it's very difficult to lock in good ocean rates at the moment because everything is fluctuating so much. So Ashraf, I, I can't really predict for you. It's, it's you know, lock in whatever rates you can because it's going to be quite a problem, I think, for the next year or so at least. I think, uh, yes, Rob, definitely right. It was one of the toughest years and still we don't know in the logistics and supply chain, a lot of disruptions. It's very hard to, to predict uh, such kind of uh, what rates and what's 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 happening. And, uh, and as we've seen, as you said, the trend changed and uh, uh, more people ordering online, a lot of a lot of a lot of changes and uh, disruptions happened, uh, happened this year. I totally agree with you. Yeah, so I think the sec- I think the main question now in such a you know fragile market should be can I even get the space? That should be priority number one. Get your space. Um, worry about the rest later because you are already ahead of everyone else. Um, because it is a very, very difficult market at the minute. Very difficult. Exactly. There is a lot of backlog orders. I, I speak to my friends, to all in the industry. Yeah. We have a lot of backlog orders and they cannot find container space like like you're saying. They, they are struggling. So it's really, it's really tough. The situation is the stuff. I totally agree with you. And it's not even about container space. Um, it's actually very difficult to find empty containers. So yeah. it's a vicious There's not empty containers. There's Containers are not moving. Um, so I agree with Rob, it will take a very, very, very long time to get back yeah. to where it was. Yeah. Thank you. I, we have uh, the next question from our friend, Ashraf El Bermawi. He's asking, what is the key success uh, factor for minimizing the out of stock at shelves, although most of customs, most of customers are reducing stocks? I think it's a very interesting question. Yes. Well, yeah. I think you guys should be answering that. I, that's yes. why I, 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 I was waiting. <laughs> okay, let, let me let me I take let, this. Let question me get let, as a non non SNOP expert, let me let me share. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. You're an expert you want, on everything concerning supply chains. If you want to minimize out of stocks, where do you start? You start with the customer. You need to, and and particularly people have found in the last couple of years, you must know almost hour by hour what the demand for your product is. I mean, in in mass retail at the moment, 
you, you've got to get that information straight off the checkout so that you can you can actually see that real demand for product and then feed that back through your SNOP processes, your forecasting, yeah. your demand planning. Um, and it's all about planning you know, and being flexible with your planning and having the right systems in place and being being ruthless, to be honest, about your inventory management and, and just, you know, trying to make sure that you're never going to run out of the A's and B's and, and focus on exactly, those. So yeah. it, the principles haven't changed. What has changed is, is the speed that we have to do all of this. Um, and really good companies now are using, you know, AI tools and things like that to do predictive forecasting. Yeah. Now over to the experts. Okay, so you already covered everything. <laughs> yeah, you're, I think that you work in S and O B, but <laughs> let me just if if you allow me, I will add something at that point. So uh, I believe yes, most uh, retailers there for sure they had they have to look into their inventory level and their health report for sure at this point because they they are also managing a business. But I believe that the thing that will make you different. In that point, it's your relationship with the customer, your, uh, how you use your customer relationship management with your customer. Uh, how, and one of the KPIs, I would say in that point, which is OSA, which uh, is uh, especially for commodities and uh, consumer goods, which is called on-shelf availability. OSA, on-shelf availability, it's something, yeah. Mm. Uh, based on the assortment list on, in your stores, uh, you have uh, your SKUs listed and you have the barcodes, I'm speaking about the, the FMCG companies. So uh, you have a frequency based on, on, on that. You have a reading, let's say every day, every two, two days, someone is coming on the shelf at a specific time just to have a reading on, on the shelf and check whether your, your uh, products are on shelf, or yes or no. And there are many losses in that point. That, that there, I would say there are losses, uh, three losses. Some One of the losses could be from the customer side because of their distribution maybe because of the availability so it comes backward i would say if if i go by the logic why the first question that you would ask yourself why the sq is not on shelf then there is any uh, the second question why it, it's, it was not there there is any stocks in your backyard or the store yes or yes. no if yes there is some challenges in the merchandising so the merchandiser was not getting the stocks on on time on the shelf itself that's why it was not on the shelf if the stock if there is no stock uh, in that point uh, you will ask yourself based on the ecosystem or the distribution network in, in your uh, stores or how you were working with the, with the distributor itself some of the customers they have their own distribution some of the customers they have direct store deliveries from the, the distribution so you will ask yourself many questions where are the stocks where are the, the stocks so so you will understand where is the contribution is it because of your customer is it because sometimes because of the distributor sometimes because of supply issues from the sourcing unit or because of the the company itself so all of that point you have to ask yourself and i believe all about a relationship all about investing uh, sometimes in cpfr customer uh, i would say collaboration yes and replenishment uh, are you willing to invest in technology with your customers 
all of that point you have to take it into consideration it's not, it's not something easy yeah. yeah you know there's a there's a very interesting statistic there and Ashraf, you might want to note this one down uh, i think the figure is that for every one percent you can improve your on-shelf availability you'll improve your sales by 25 or 30 percent yeah, you know, if yeah. you think about that, sometimes, you know, you might be wandering around the supermarket and, and you know, the, the rice or the bread or whatever that you want isn't there. Sometimes people will buy the substitute, but other times they'll just walk on past yeah. and you've lost that sale. Yes, yes. That's true. And and also you have you have to check with the merchandiser if the if the things are on high level or not, where the placement of the product in the in the supermarket or in the key account is very, is very, very important. So I used to uh, when I started working, I started the marketing, I used to go through all the shops, check all that, like have a check mark. Is this in the high level or not? This is available or not? And uh, you have to actually check yeah, the planogram, check if the stocks are, are put exactly based on the planogram or not all the products and SKUs are, are available or not so we used even to go and uh, to make sure that all the stocks are available to put two or three SKUs uh, and go around and go on a journey plan so all that uh, must be uh, must be considered so that you're not out of stock where also as uh, are you working on centralized distribution or, or DCs uh, which are close to the to the customers or, or not all this kind of things need to be put put onto consideration to minimize the out of stock yeah. at the shelves. So I think Ashraf asked the question that may take hours of radio <laughs> discussion, but it's really yeah. interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> before we leave SNOP, Carl, Sean, Watkins. Hey, how you going, Carl? Um, asked a question there on uh, you know for small businesses, how has SNOP yeah, changed? Carl, Carl, um, for Yes. You know, I, I think from my perspective, it, it's the speed of the SNOP process. I, I talked to lots of companies early on in the pandemic, you know, how are things going, what's different. The good ones were still doing, the, they had the discipline of doing the SNOP process, but the cycle was kind of happening quicker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And some companies that I spoke to, you know, they would be talking to their factories on a daily basis. You know, yeah. demand has changed, you know, let's, yes. let's have a look it's at the times. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and Rob, when we were talking, he told us that he's not an expert in the S&P. I don't he know. Really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, about that's, so awesome. let's, let's, that's our worst <laughs> subject <laughs> area. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's totally 100%. I agree on that because I believe s and at the end of the day, it's a process. So you have to reduce the, the number of hours you spend in planning because this will allow you to execute more. That's why one of the elements that you need to measure inside the SNP, how many hours that you are investing and how many people that they're in, in their meetings or agendas, what are the agendas that you're discussing, all of that points, you have to reduce it and how to make it very effectively. So uh, I believe that, as you said, that the agility, how your responsiveness is very high, how you are very fast and how you are uh, very reactive to the market. This is this, that, that's why we came back into the agile supply chain, which is something yeah, yeah, and as the, the now you have the SNOP, integrated business planning, connected planning, all the difference between all these terminologies that they added more and more meetings, uh, like demand review meetings, uh, calling more your your distributors, meeting more due to the changes and, and what's happening due to to be more flexible and to meet the customer customer needs as you're yeah. saying. Totally agree. So the the common question will be for Orsella. So yes. What is the one biggest mistake 
uh, that people make in logistics, managing the logistics especially, uh, that would result in a cost blowouts? Not doing what I said earlier, basically. <laughs> um, but just to think of one, just to think of one example, um, what I find, and I came across that quite a few times, um, people just want to own things, buying assets, building warehouses, you know, buying trucks, trailers, employing however many people. Right. We say outsource. Unless you are 100% sure that you will have 100% utilization for all those aspects, um, then outsource. I think yeah. from my point of view, um, Rob, what's yours that you came across? No, look, I, I, I would agree that. I, I love that that term that you use. People just want to own stuff. Spot on. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, spot on. I want to put my logo on, on, on my tracks. I want everyone to see that I yeah, own because, my logo. Because really, yeah. really, really, yeah. I've seen yeah. this in um, most of the companies I worked in. Sorry, Rob, go ahead. But, uh, but yeah, she's I, I, really I spot on. Say, yeah. If one of the biggest mistakes that people make maybe is a lack of segmentation in their supply chain. Mm -hmm. Segmentation of products, of service levels, of customers. There are still companies out there that treat their whole supply chain and their whole customer base like it was just one thing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, all their customers want the same service and all of their products need to be handled in the same yeah. way. I, I, I think the more, you know, we're supply chain people, you know, we're engineers, we're into the detail. That, that's really where the secrets are and where you start to save the costs, I think. Start start peeling back the layers of the onion and, and get into the detail. Yeah. True. I, I think one of the, the, the challenges that many organizations that they still stuck into the vertical supply chain, which they want mm. to own everything, they want to control everything. I think this is, now it's an illusion. Now they they say that we have some competencies we have we need to have to own all doesn't make sense and especially in the logistics field now we have many comp com competitions in the market in terms of the service level in terms of the quality in terms of the cost reduction so why don't you move in that because I, I love what Ursula said that uh, owning the assets itself it, it puts you under and uh, pressure and stress because of the fixed cost is running always in time so if mm. i would say your top line says because of the seasonality if you you have some seasonality in your uh, business it's going on so you it will be diluted by the, the extra cost that you have it because if you own your assets you have some capexes you have some depreciations is going on you have to take this that's why it's easy and flexible if you own if you don't own if you just outsource sometimes you don't you have to own i believe yes because you have some advantages you don't need to uh, to to just you know dilute this or just share this because it's something you are owning this industry you are owning have some confidential things that you don't want to share it so this is your advantage but for areas that it's not your competencies and you have to have outsource it because other 3PL, they have the, the you can optimize your economy for scale, you can optimize your cost, you, you can optimize your quality, which is something I love what Ursula said, that it's something that touch point and real fact on, on, on the ground itself. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. Like you said, you can own something like like technology, like uh, copyrights for for something for an invention. Other than than, than that, you can outsource. But people, as said Ursula said, they are looking patent in uh, extra factory space or extra warehouse space, expecting that the demand will uh, will boom or something like that. And 
at the end of the day sometimes it's uh, it's like uh, it's not used at all and, and then you will find yourself uh, trying to to convince uh, people where the orders where the sales I, i've seen that uh, in, uh, in a lot of companies i also spot on Ursula. thank you for for, for raising this if you really feel like you have you, you just must own something um try and consider the hybrid level um yeah. i think that is also mm-hmm. um you know a safe start because it allows you to you know try it out see how things go without having that ma- um, massive financial commitment mm-hmm. yeah totally so we'll jump into the next question from our friend ashraf he is asking what should uh, be the percentage cost of supply chain from the total business i think business. yeah business yeah that is that's a great question question yes Uh, again i think we need um rob's um crystal ball for this one it really depends Uh, on many factors on the size it should be it should be Uh 7.6 percent yeah it depends on the business yeah it doesn't it depends it totally depends on the industry Mm. uh and the type of business If it t- depends on you know the value of products that you're shipping is yeah. it fertilizer is it laptop computers um but ashraf if you shoot me a a message on linkedin and tell me your industry i'll, I'll tell you what the number should be mm. it's prob for most industries it's going to be something between five and eight percent generally yes mm. yes but it varies a lot Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i like what you said because if it's if if it's function for uh, in the top line sales it depends also on the power of purchase in the country itself because some countries mm-hmm. you can see that that the, the supply chain cost is very low relatively from their top line sales because uh, the 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 supply chain cost their logistics cost is very low their uh, conversion cost is very low their material cost even because they are localizing everything and at the same time even Their top line sales, they have higher pa- purchase power. That's why the consumer, mm-hmm. the shopper, they are, they can afford all of that. So I love what you said. It, it depends on the industry. It depends on the country. Yeah. It depends let, on let, many factors. Yeah, let me give you an example on this one. Um, and, and this comes back to Ursula's earlier point about the value of benchmarking. Uh, we recently did some work with a very large food company. Mm-hmm. Um, and they thought their supply chain was was quite efficient and, and they really just wanted us to do a bit, little bit of a health check. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we, we do in our business is supply chain benchmarking. So we benchmarked them, we compared them with lots of other similar businesses and they were absolutely blown away because we showed them that their costs <laughs> should be about 14% lower than they are. Wow. And they just didn't know. They didn't know oh. because their reporting systems you know, weren't reporting in enough detail. And back to Ursula's point with the swimmers, they didn't know what good looked like. They didn't I think, know yeah. what the performance I, should be. I, I think, Rob, like I was saying, maybe they were comparing to their last year performance. They were not aware yeah. what's happening to, to the business. So if I'm saving versus last year, wow, and I'm reporting this to the top management. So top management will say, well, we're saving every year, but they are not aware what's happening in the market. Yeah. Yeah, I think our That's... friend Ashraf, he loves our uh, yeah. episode today, so he has another question. <laughs> this <laughs> is this for... is the Ashraf show. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see you. Thank you, Ashraf, for asking. Thank you, Ashraf, for the lovely yes. questions. Yeah. So he's asking, what do you think about Amazon supply chain model? Is it success story or not? I think he's speaking well, about. Well, how do we define a success for starters? Mm-hmm. 
how, how do we decide he, what, what we're measuring here? Ashraf, if you can just uh, drop us the, the what is what are your criteria for success? But let me I will I will assume I that and let's let's think together till he do it. I believe in terms of service level, in terms of cost, in terms of effectiveness, responsiveness, I would say in the in that point. So let's let's take it from cost effectiveness point of view and the service level. Yeah, I, I think I from that perspective. Sorry, I shall go on. No, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you go. <laughs> oh. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think from a cost perspective, they they leverage scale, they leverage automation, and those sorts of things actually allow them to be quite efficient in the supply chain. Uh, and there is no doubt that the service level is is very good. Yes. So, you know, are, are you big enough to be able to operate like that? with very large distribution centers, very high levels of automation. Not many businesses can, um, but you know, Amazon is becoming kind of the biggest 3PL in the world anyway, with the yeah. Uh, yeah, fulfillment by Amazon. Yeah, Priscilla, yeah. if you want to add. I can only speak from, you know, um, the end user experience, because um, mm. I do happen to buy things off Amazon and it's a fantastic experience every single time. Um, mm. it, hasn't used to be back in the day you know five six years ago but um in the past few years it's been really good every single time so i guess if i am happy as a client then it is a successful a successful supply chain yeah i i, I totally agree i also using of course amazon and i think they're uh, and this is what i read uh, recently that they always put the customer first they are not looking at cost or anything they're looking at the customer looking at customer satisfaction purely and yeah. their uh, vision they're aligning that and their vision and their mission and their strategy so i think that's that's the point that's the key of, uh, of their uh, of their success story yeah and i believe that uh, i love what you all said it's all about the vision and if you come back, especially for Amazon, if you come back to Jeff Bezos, I believe that his, his vision when he started this company at the beginning to be the customer, the most customer centric company in the world. So he was very true to him, to his words. That's why maybe you will find at a certain point of time that their distribution cost is very high, very high, because imagine with me, their, their distribution into, they, they're working B2C. So imagine with me the number of depots that they have across all the regions just to uh, to have a higher service level and at the same time lower uh, shorter uh, lead times so all of that for sure will affect uh, the, the the distribution cost and will affect their their margin at the, at the end of the day but they're true to their vision that's why i believe also i i i watched one of the the videos for jeff bezos he said that uh, he lost a lot of money even the, the, the total company of Amazon, uh, when they begin, they have a negative, negative margin at mm. their, their point. Well, they, yeah, yeah, for sure, because of the uh, expiry stocks, because of their distribution cost, supply chain cost was very high relatively mm. to, to their, their margin when they have the, the front margin, even their back margin. So it, it was negative, but because of the service level and because their brand equity and because of the Amazon, how he was true to himself. Now he is, it's one of the best companies in the world. If I'm talking about the e-commerce, that's why mm. I believe that it's all about business strategy and how you are true to your business strategy and how you aggregate this or disaggregate this to your uh, supply chain strategy. So I believe that it's, it's something mm. they are very successful on that. You know, I, I had, Amazon sure. is such a good example of one really important aspect of supply chain management, and that is cost to serve. 
And yeah. you, you know, I'm passionate about this topic. I'm looking at something that I'm going to pick up off my desk, which isn't too weird. Um, but you know, I, I can order this little salt and pepper thing from Amazon, and I'll get it delivered tomorrow, and, it, and free delivery. And it's worth like four dollars. How do they do that? Because they know their numbers. They they know yes. that they're going to lose money on that one, but we'll make it up when Rob orders a new computer or a desk or something like that. So you really got to know the numbers. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, hundred percent agreed on that. We have uh, just a new question from mm -hmm. our friend Nada Rosdi. She's asking how to manage supply chain cost while adopting sustainable practices to sustainable and resilient supply chain in terms of taking into consideration environmental and social issues. I believe she's talking about the treble bottom line. I, I would yeah. assume, yeah. I think it's all about, um, I will probably let Rob speak about this one a bit more, um, but it's um, the most important thing to understand is that you can have a sustainable business and you can have a low cost because I think the big misunderstanding that is going around is still that, oh, if we're going to make our business sustainable, it's going to cost us a lot of money. Therefore, we're not going to do it. Um, I don't agree with that. Um, so the first step is to remember that both of those things can um, work in parallel and harmony. Yeah, yeah, totally agreed on that. Because we have we had the discussion uh, last week. Last week, with our, yes, with with yeah. Jet, she was uh, one of the thought leaders in the, the sustainability industry, and we we were speaking about how sustainability even it, it affects the your your top line and bottom line sales because can you imagine if you have if you are connecting with your consumer and with your customers on a brand level that uh, when i get perceived a brand that it's more related into the environment how it contributes to the environment how it contributes to the social responsibility so it for sure it, it, it affects drastically the brand equity of the brand itself so you connect emotionally when you think that this uh, any single currency that i pay for this uh, brand it will go somewhere because they are helping social uh, i would say their social index they are giving something for charity they are helping environment they are just investing that so it, it helps a lot it's not only about supply chain costs for sure maybe maybe supply chain costs that i'm investing too much on my resources and developments just to to reduce all of that but in the long term i would say that that, that the return investment it's very high yeah I, I i'd say and it's a great question nada I, I would say you can't afford uh not to start adopting more sustainable practices in your supply chain because as you're saying Ahmed, um you know your your community your customer base your market will start to move away from you otherwise and, yeah. it, and it doesn't have to cost a lot i mean most new large distribution centers now have a have a roof covered in solar panels you know exactly. more and more yeah. companies are starting to use electronic vehicles they're, they're starting to use recycled materials for packaging you know there's there's an awful yeah. amount that can be done and, yes. and i think yeah. our market will push us to make sure we do it Exactly. The market and the governments, I've seen here the governments, for example, in UAE, they're supporting that big time now. And of course, here in the Gulf, we have not nothing more than sun all the time. There is, uh, the weather is hot and the solar energy is uh, starting to, to boom here. Uh, the use of solar energy and all that. And so it uh, doesn't have to cost much, as you said, uh, Rob, and it will definitely make a reduction in, in, in cost. Yeah. 
So a good example of um of sure. that sustainable business um from the past few months, we actually had a um a company responding to a tender, and mm. the contract was worth about twelve million dollars. And um one of the uh, one of the things that the client asked for, they wanted to see the tender documents um printed out and delivered. Um <laughs> and they actually said, no, we are not going to do that um because it is against our sustainability. Yes. Um, and I thought right. it was amazing because I thought, I thought <laughs> you got this twelve million dollar contract, but you're saying no, we're not going to do it's this. Against our really rules. Wow. Wow. We're not going to cut down the tree. Thought, yeah. That's great. You don't yes. have to print anything. Yeah, that's so, great. And you and you know, there's so many little things you can do. Um, not that not that we're traveling a lot at the moment because of COVID, but. You know, normally our consultants kind of live on planes flying around all over the place. And one of the simple things that we do is we triple offset all of our air, air travel. So mm. we, we know the CO2 that's generated for every hour of flight. And we plant trees all over oh. the world to triple oh, offset yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things. A lot of things to be done, yes. Yes. Mm. Great example. Yeah. So question for Ursula, and then we will take the experience from Mr. Rob. So... What's the biggest logistics cost-saving opportunity you have ever seen based on your experience? Could you can give us like experience or the system thinking that you would have, just situation like that? Yeah, um, we work with many clients of different sizes, um, with clients of decent sizes, um, just from a simple rate benchmarking exercise, the saving is usually in millions or at least yeah. a million. Mm. Yeah. Um, so just from that simple, you know, benchmark your outsource logistics, benchmark your warehousing, your transport. That is every single client I have worked with. Um, the mm. saving was at least one million dollars over twelve months. Wow! 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 So it's all about so the rates. I recommend doing. Mm -hmm. It's all about the rates, I would say. So uh, how okay. you benchmark and I compare all the quotations. So you're giving like. A direction for your customers who, who could be the best fit for their business in terms of quality in terms of service level in terms of costs it would save a lot for them yep absolutely um we try to educate our clients um and then you know we leave that decision up to them but we always are happy to say okay well this is yeah. probably not the supplier for you why are you you know so committed yeah. to them you know there are other better options they're a fantastic supplier but just mm. not for your supply chain um yeah. and that usually saves a lot of money yeah i like what you said because you know sometimes negotiations and sometimes at the beginning of the contract when you uh, in terms of uh, 3pl selection or supplier selection it could save you a lot tons of money instead of just selecting one supplier blindly and try to optimize try to milk everything every time so at the beginning you you have to have this vision when you take the right selection in that point it saves you tons yeah yeah absolutely i i, I think you, if, if i could add to if i can add to ursula's point because sure. some people might be watching this and thinking, oh, it's all about the rates. I have to go to my freight company, my warehousing company, and try and get a lower cost per ton or per pallet. Yeah, yeah. It, that's not really what Ursula's talking about. It's the type mm. of rate. So am mm. I paying a cost per ton, cost per pallet, cost per truckload, 
you're mm-hmm. probably paying the wrong type of rate. Most most of those industries are very competitive. So, you know, you might be paying thirty dollars a pallet for deliveries, and you think, oh, I'll I'll have a go at the freight company and see if I can get twenty five. It's not so much about that. It, it's about looking for operational savings. The savings are always in doing things smarter and therefore getting a lower cost. Yeah. And I think, um, is it uh, Giannis ooh, who came up with that that balance yeah. of <clears throat> savings versus service, service levels? But it's service, so yeah. important. Yes. And so many people get that wrong. They hammer their freight carriers and, and so on and say, I want a lower cost, I want a lower cost. And the service declines. It's always that balance of service and cost. So great Great point, Janice. Great point, great uh, point, Janice. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Janice. Uh, it's it's perfect. So I know that it's uh, as I said that it, negotiation and understanding your uh, industry and understanding how you can negotiate. Because I like what you said that when you op- when you spoke about that, it opened something in my mind. Uh, so when it comes to picking, I would say even inside when when you speak with your three uh, pill, when it comes to picking pieces, it will be totally different when it comes to picking. Uh, cases when it comes to picking oh, yeah. uh, a pallet itself so how you will be able to negotiate about that how, based on your uh, i would say your route to market sometimes the, the picking pieces because you have a retailer like retail van sales it's it's uh, moving into the unit of sales sometimes mm. one piece they're picking the pieces mm. itself so how you will be able to take that most advantage and how you negotiate in the right track because i can give you a, a good rate for picking uh, pallet uh, it's better but the most benefit that i could have when i have when i negotiate in the pieces because my business it's more into uh, b2c i would say this is this kind of things that i love it because it comes from operational experience it's not nothing just you know helicopter view you know it's uh, l- let me give you a one minute case study uh, on you know, because the question there is what what's the biggest logistics cost saving opportunity you've ever seen um i th- i think probably 25% reduction in logistics costs which was over 20 million dollars so it wasn't a, a massive company but it was quite big and it was about the detail exactly what you're talking about ahmed it was you know they were paying the wrong rate structure for distribution um coming back to my old you know topic again around cost to serve they had too many small orders their distribution network wasn't configured correctly mm-hmm. they, you know lots of small orders going into rural areas with a very high cost it was all about the detail and when they were able to peel back all the layers and understand the costs mm-hmm. massive savings absolutely yeah, massive savings. exactly the rates it, it comes back to data doesn't it you know exactly yeah and uh, let me let me add you add something here from uh, an operational experience i believe also one of the biggest uh, uh, treasure inside the logistics cost which is the transportation and if you come back especially when you go near to uh, the the in-market sales and more near to the retailer the the complexity of the networks in the supply chain and logistics it becomes you know harder and harder and more complicated because you you need to try to fulfill all the orders in time within that room of deliveries and time of the customer whether it's big order whether it's low uh, less truck load whether it's full truck load and i believe that why i'm stressing on that because the how to optimize the truck utilization 
it's something I think it's very big topic in that point that it needs a real awareness. And one of the things that it was in my mind, and we had a great, great experience in that. When it comes how to optimize the transportation cost in 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 the distributor side to the retailer, so why not to optimize it by using multiple drops? And understanding how how you can uh, just a balance between your truck utilization versus the CRM, and understanding the buying behaviors uh, of of your customers, and how you can optimize all of that, how you can collaborate, and had have like you know mapping all uh, just customers, understanding the patterns of the behaviors of the customers, and map like regional places and move into uh, multiple drops in the same time and have like CRM customer relationship management speaking with your customer that why don't you open the orders based on your inventory on that on that day and I'll be able to fill it and another customer in the same region on the same the same one because if you come it got split into two trucks sometimes so it's extra cost so I think one of the logistics uh, uh, treasures it's the transportation cost and it, it has big big contribution because you're always speaking we are always yeah. taking it into the warehousing we're talking about warehousing rates but when it comes i see it, when when you come near to the 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 customers it it's more complicated and you'll see the track utilization i believe that i i read an article on that the best fit it was like 65 percent utilization in the trucks itself when it comes near to the retailer especially b2b yeah. absolutely yeah. In, in fact uh, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on the clock because i know you're very strict about this ahmed um, <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe what we can do after this session keep the comments going because i've got a couple of videos on exactly that topic that please i can drop them into the comments if people want please. to see them please yes please that would be a great great benefit for all, for yeah. all of us yeah. and so guys keep the but... coming afterwards <laughs> yes i adore your supply chain secrets uh, uh the youtube channel now you it's 37k subscribers right right now uh sorry how many 37,000 and he appeared mm. to me i remember when you were on the beach and you were writing something on the ground oh, yeah. on the sandies <laughs> so i, oh, I, I searched about robber <laughs> yeah, yeah so that, for, for me i think when he was talking also about the onion and i've seen one of his videos he was uh, describing this uh, using an onion i think i I've seen one of his <laughs> videos. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. and, and anyway uh, more questions yeah. more questions yeah, yeah. So, we have now another question from Nada. Is there is there a universal criteria to judge assess the company's supply chain sustainability in quantitative manner? If yes, would you clarify? Oh, look, I'm not sure there is a universal criteria. Um, I mean, if, if, if anyone knows one, maybe pop it into the chat. It would be really interesting. Um, but certainly in our supply chain benchmarking work, um, part of what we do is sustainability benchmarking as well. So, you know, looking at uh, power usage and that type yeah. of thing. So it's something that a lot of companies are becoming much more aware of uh, and measuring that. But I'm, I'm not sure 
Uh, there is a universal criteria. I'm not an expert on that. So uh, I, I remember, yes, there is there is some rules here. I can share it with you, Nada, if you want. After this episode, just if you can drop mm. us like uh, comment here. I remember it was in the CSCP like nine rules. If you're talking about quantitative, it's ju- mm. some questions you can you can judge it in terms of economical, in terms of. Uh, environmental and social so you would understand mm. all of that yeah. after that i'm not sure if there's a specific kpi i mean jet would be one of the people to talk talk to about yes that. yeah um, definitely let's find some information and we'll put it into the chat yeah i would be surprised if it was those values were universal i think especially now it would definitely vary quite a lot from place to place yeah yes yes so uh uh, I, I believe that our time is going on, but one of uh, the questions that came into my mind, if I'm, I have uh, a new business, okay, I'm setting up a new business right now, and uh, I, I will take your consultancy, how you will be able to help me and what are the criteria that you're using it to select the best 3PL for my business? Um, there are quite a few criterias. Um, the experience within your field. Um, is the 3PL already working with clients similar to me? Because heavy haulage will differ to healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. Geographically, um, are they located um, where? Are they you know located close to my customer, close to my warehouse, whatever the supply chain is? How is the cultural fit? Um, you know, are they going to fit with my core values of, of my business? Um, so these are the things. Um, of course, you know, we have to talk about the pricing at some stage because that's what you know money makes the world go around. So it's a converse- conversation to be had. But these are the four quite important things I would I would think about. Um, is the business big enough? Do they have enough presence to? You know to, to to provide to my supply chain um so there are quite a few very important factors to to consider um is the technology um up to standards um have i checked the references um what is the market about the pl so many 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 questions uh, and i'm sure there are you know many more but these are the, the ones i can think of thank you so much yeah, it's, very it's, it's a great question i mean and and ursula is one of our outsourcing specialists so Send her lots of questions on LinkedIn. Yeah, please <laughs> yeah. 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 do. Trust me, you will. You will have this after. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, when when we're evaluating 3PLs for a company, uh, very often we're comparing about 100 different criteria. And that and that can be different for every company. So, but I, I think actually you really you know hit the, the the top ones there that people should focus on. But but you know the biggest mistake people make when they're picking three PLs, they don't mm. share enough information. They don't mm. give enough information to the three PL for them to be able to quote accurately. Yeah. Yes. You yes. Know, the more you can share, the, the the more accurate they can get their costing. Yes. Absolutely. So, and also, you, um, Khalid, you mentioned three PL. Um, you know. If your supply chain is complex, don't be so stubborn. You might need a 4PL. Um, and yes, yes. The conversation we're having with clients quite often, like, oh, we don't want to lose the control. We'd rather go with 3PL only. <laughs> that yeah. might not be sufficient to your business. You might need to have five different 3PLs working um, in harmony. Um, so mm-hmm. it's yet another thing to consider. Yes, yes. Uh, I like what you said, Ursula, about uh, that. 
when you mentioned the criteria, you asked you you had a question which is uh, does the supplier does the 3PL has uh, uh, the same uh, just another another customer in the same industry itself? Yes or no? But when it comes, I would say in terms of sensitivity if it comes to some of the customers that you have or they come to you that you provide them a 3pl that could be handling another competition what would be your your advice on that because something like that they will say no we, we will have some challenge on that some some kind of organization they don't need to have this kind of strategic alliance they, they, they don't want to have to share some ideas or information about that what would be your uh, advice on that point um you have to be you have to have a trusty relationship with your 3pl um and if you are already worrying about your information leaking to the um to the competition then probably something has already happened in that relationship at the very early stage for you to wonder you know i'm not really feeling good about this um and the good thing is um you know there are enough of 3pls out there for you to choose from um, but yeah, if, if you're asking that question, I'm not mm. quite sure if this relationship is already going in the right direction. Rob, what, what is yeah, your opinion? There is no, no trust. Yeah, look, uh, I, I, would, I would agree with that. I, I've, had, uh, I've had clients, you know, in the electronics industry kind of mm. say, look, we don't want our products in the warehouse with, with our competitors' products because they'll see when we're doing a stock bill for a promotion or something <laughs> like that. So look, there, there can be legitimate concerns, uh, but generally, I would say it's really not worth worrying about. And in fact, if you embrace it, there can be a lot of benefit. Uh, I've done a lot of work over the years where competitors have actually shared 3PLs and delivery transport because they realize mm-hmm. it's going to be much more efficient. Yes. And the customer doesn't know which warehouse the product came from most of the time. They don't know which truck it came yes. from. They don't care. You know, if, if your product arrives with your competitors, so what? You know, you, maybe yes. you can both get a lower cost out of it. Yeah. That's that's great this collaboration idea and because here sometimes in the region because it, well, the they keep it as a secret or sometimes they they if they work someone works with one three PL so they want it to be exclusive and they they, yeah. they they put it in the contract that no competition should I've seen this because I worked also on that for some time that no competition should not uh, should not Monopoly. use not allowed yeah I, uh, use I, and, I, I, uh, I, yeah yeah I've had competitors come to me. Yes. Can we talk about this? I don't know. We're not mentioning names. <laughs> I've had competitors come to me and say, we want to do distribution together. Great. Can you yes. help us work for our so, Strategic alliance, yes. I, yes. I think that this is this win-win for everyone. I, yeah. I keep saying it now. The internet doesn't leave anything. If I want to have anything, I will go and search oh, yeah. and get it. Trust me, it's, it's not about that. So I believe that killing this rigid mindset and being flexible and be willing to have a strategic alliance even with your competition now everything is there now we are in, in another era so i can get anything i can have a spy everywhere so it's, it's not a big deal yes, you, you know there was there was a wonderful quote a few years ago by professor martin christopher and and sorry martin yeah, martin was my you. professor at university um you know, and, and the saying was, wow. supply chains compete, not businesses. I'm not sure that's true anymore. Um, yes. Your brand is your competitive edge, your product. Um, I don't know that supply chain is necessarily a competitive edge anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, totally agree. We'll take the last question from our friend Ahmad Rifat. He's asking how we can solve the storage capacity without being having an accurate material dispatching plan from inventory management. Oh, that's uh, I'm not quite sure exactly where you're going with that question, uh, but let's sort of talk about it general in nature, because uh, lots and lots of people have storage capacity problems in their warehouses um, and the dispatch plan shouldn't really have an impact on that because the two main features that we've got in a warehouse are we are storing product and then we are picking, packing and dispatching product. Mm -hmm. The capacity problem generally comes around because the inventory management is not um, not appropriate. You've yeah. got uh, you know too much of the wrong stock, not enough of the right stock. It's a classic SNOP problem. You know we've got mm. the experts. Yes, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, expert. Um, so if it's a storage capacity problem, mm. look at your inventory management and your stock turns right across the range. And are you holding too much? Um, do you actually need to hold all of the products in every warehouse? Or maybe you could have you know fast moving yes. products in some, slow moving in others. Um, that's you know there's so many different ways to to try and get over that problem. But exactly, you you must also check if you're uh, working on first in, first out, first expiry, first out, all these kind of uh, kind of things like you're saying, Rob. And of course, the fast moving versus the slow moving. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about inventory management. I, uh, yeah, and I, I believe also that it's all about the harmony because if you're looking at, at how how it looks like your distribution network wherever you are staying on a node so i like what you said uh, rob it's about s and op and the phasing especially phasing inside the month i i believe that most companies they face this challenge especially first week of the month and at the end of the month because the peaking happens in at the end of the month the last three days four days where shipments and the everything is happening in the first uh, two weeks of the month itself and the, the the outbound itself it's it's going is slowing down and the inbounds is going up so you will reach to a, a point that you are exceeding your uh, uh, storage capacity so it's all about the harmony between your inbounds and outbounds so managing all of that and managing the capacity managing the peaking inside the month understanding the patterns inside the month it's very essential if if uh, i understand sometimes yes there is storage capacity issue however we don't have any challenge in our service level so it means that you are shipping the wrong sqs i would say that you don't need it right now or you can work in in a pool not a push system in that point where you can prioritize your SQs that will be dispatched quickly sometimes or you have something you can use it like a docking stations quickly to move that to avoid all of this so all of these things i believe because there is no harmony everyone is with my respect they are working in silos everyone is pushing quickly my this is my inbound this is my shipment plan i need to push this so harmony between the inbound and the outbound will solve all of these challenges yeah. yeah, and uh, I believe also put uh, before uh, worked on that put KPIs for for uh, logistics and shipping to ship like fifty or sixty percent of uh, the plan of the monthly plan in the first fifteen days or something to balance this, like you were saying, because always at the end of the month you are stuck that you need to ship everything at the end of the time. You don't get the the plan, and uh, and these things uh, really happened a lot. I've seen it a lot, especially in our region. Yeah. That's why, you know, most companies, their, their S&P, it's normally, it's monthly cycle and they're using even their replenishment monthly. 
So yes. maybe they have one shot quickly, open order for the whole month. <laughs> but I'm saying I know this yeah. quickly because they had uh, some economy for skills. They need to have the best uh, full truck loads. They need to have to optimize their even uh, resources in the manufacturing. So they push one time, regardless what's happening. But they don't they don't optimize what is what's happening in their distribution network. What are the coverage on their distribution network? How they can optimize it? That that's why I believe that's all about the harmony. It's all about understanding the whole ecosystem in your supply chain, not just working in silos, pushing, 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 and whoever will stay there, he will have the problem and he will solve it. This is this is the mindset. That's why. Again, um, Ursula and Drop. And we, we would like to thank you so much again so for much. your time. I know it's 4 a.m. I don't know if you will sleep again or no. Are you going to sleep again or are you going to stay? Uh, like... we'll, we'll, we'll stay here and answer any questions in the chat. Don't worry. Yes, we'll stay for 24 hours live. Yeah, it was a pleasure having you. And I believe that you understand that from the engagement that we have from our audience today. It was too much engagement. And so we would like to thank you for your valuable time. I personally, and I believe Hamamzi also, we had a pleasure and we have a great values from your experience and from your time. We, 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 we had a great time together and hopefully for sure we have another topic very soon, but it will not be at 4 a.m. We can move it at 5 a.m. 4.30. So thank you so much for being here today. And we'd thank like to so thank and our audience. Thanks to our audience, of course, for, for joining us uh, today and uh, a lot of valuable questions. And I believe that we got a lot of value from Ursula and, and Robert. Yeah. Thank you so much again, uh, everybody. Last, last thing, please, guys, uh, whoever listened to us right now, don't hesitate to come directly, whether to Ursula and Rob at any point of time, if you want any consultancy in logistics. Whether in any region, they will help you drastically, 7%, I guarantee you that. So thank Good. you again so much for your time and pleasure having you today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Global S&OP Community Podcast. We hope that you have absorbed some values from this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to be notified every week with the new episode. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.co or ahmedkhaled.co We believe that one word, one story or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.